0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of A Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan speaking, and today it's me and Elkin, the two E's, talking about the NBA. Yes, Talking about a bunch of letters just spewed out of someone's mouth that are a little incoherent. Elkin, how are you this morning?
1: Doing good. Feeling refreshed. Enjoyed NBA action last night. I'm ready to talk more basketball.
0: Well, I'm surprised to hear you say you enjoyed it, because I watched moments of that (laughs) Pacers-Cavs game. And I wouldn't have enjoyed that personally.
1: And that's why I I avoided watching that. But I enjoyed several moments of that Heat-Bucks game. And that was a lot better for the viewer.
0: Yeah, no, the the Bucks and Heat, even when they're playing poorly, which for different parts of that game both did, um, they certainly have enough players who are aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. that you can get around it. Because Giannis is obviously always a, a joy to watch. Um and then Bam Adebayo with his progression it's, it, it was a fun game. Um, what was the next game that I watched? The Celtics and Knicks. I was actually enjoying that game yeah. a lot too. Um, I like seeing R.J. Barrett like playing within himself, but also still super aggressive. I think I really think people overreacted with like some of the slander they sent his way mm-hmm. because of the whole. I think the Duke situation was actually a horrible place to cultivate good basketball last year. Oh
1: yeah, and. At the same time, last night, we got to see Morris, Portis, and Randall all on the court at the same time. I mean, how many teams, yeah. you know, can run a power forward front line like that? Yeah, and that, I think that's the interesting thing
0: about that that team specifically is Marcus Morris, I think, can still play the three. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, his best position is probably usually the four, but he's still fleet of foot enough. He's athletic enough, and he's a good enough shooter that the three is not a position that he can't play, and... But yeah, it is a little weird thinking of Julius Randall, Portis, and him all on the floor, because you know Portis questionable shooter, Randall great self creator, not a whole lot else. But no, I, I think that Knicks team is going to be a little fun to watch here and there mm-hmm. because they just they have the, they have those guys that can can do a thing um, every once in a while and some fun individual players. And the Celtics
1: so. are actually looking more like a team this year compared to last year. That's one thing I will say.
0: Yeah. Big big time like you can tell that they're playing like for each other a little bit more. I know some of that stuff sounds kind of like loserish. But like you can tell like those guys are looking for each other, not not individual stat hunting. There's there's a, there's a process to their game that's happening right now that I and I don't I feel like Gordon Hayward who hasn't played like super well yet is playing just worry-free though. There's no no stress on him to be yeah. the second best player on the team anymore. He's just out here uh, playing, and I think that's also really healthy. And Jalen Brown, for as erratic as he can always be, I I feel really good that they got him paid. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's big news. Maybe we should plan to talk about some of these extensions and things that happened. Yeah. But re- regardless, like I think he has performed pretty well since his extension, and I do believe he's he is. While everyone who's not a super duper star is probably overpaid in the NBA, unless you're on a minimum. Like I feel like that contract is is fair. He's yeah. like on that CJ McCollum type money, and that's you know I think they're I think they're pretty equal players based on how good CJ is um, on offense and how good
1: that Jalen Brown is defensively. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think we got some other observations to talk about. First week of the NBA, Ethan. I know. This is the best time for us to overreact, but I love it. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what we're about, the Hero Ball Pod, just overreacting as much as we can and then coming back later and realizing how badly we overreacted. Now, I think both you and I had a chance to watch a lot of basketball this week. You probably more than I did, but go ahead and start us off, Ethan. What are some things or one thing that you noticed this week? Well, see, I actually missed a lot of the
0: games during the week because this was my vacation week. My parents were out visiting. We went down to Northern California had to look at some redwood trees. And so as you can imagine, as I was out in the state and national parks, I did not have a whole lot of cell service. So I was really just kind of uh, dependent on uh, streaming some games once I got back to the uh, the Airbnb or the hotel, as it were. Wow. And the, internets, the internets were not always so good. But I did get a watch. Um, opening night, missed the first quarter or so, but it was. I was very happy to get to watch the Pelicans play even without Zion Williamson. But anyway, we're not here to talk about individual games no, just fair. yet. We'll probably get around to it. But I, just want, I did want to mention an individual performance. P.J. Washington breaking the record for uh, three-pointers made in a debut. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so P.J. Washington in the draft, um, I know my opinion of him was he was going to be Marvin Williams. He's going to step in there to the team that has Marvin Williams, and he's going to play like Marvin Williams. He's going to catch three Catch and shoot threes. He's going to be a little athletic uh, on dribble closeouts, and he's going to like not do anything that's super impressive. But little did I know he was going to get off that many shots and make so many of them. So congratulations, P.J. Washington. You like played incredibly well. Um, to, just to be bested by another U- University of Kentucky um, player uh, a couple of days <laughs> later, but you know, P.J., congrats to you. You made you made a, You made a, um You you made your mark on the NBA. Um, one game in which is really cool
1: yeah definitely and and that was because I honestly I didn't look forward to looking or watching many Hornets games but as I think you had mentioned something about him and I was like I gotta look him up I gotta see what's going on with this guy you mentioned his hot start, and what do you know and you and you even brought it up too. the Hornets were just pretty much making everything that game what was the percentage again for that game too I think it was 52. I'd have to look
0: it up. But I remember being upset about it because I had the <laughs> Bulls minus one. As uh, sports gambling is now legal in Oregon, there's a nice little state-supported state, state uh, supported app. And, yeah, I had it minus one. And I was upset that they uh, they didn't. Beat the Hornets. <laughs> the Bulls couldn't beat the Hornets by one. It was not um what I wanted to see. And seeing the fifty percent from three made me like, well, there is why. But I'm still upset about it.
1: no that's understandable. Uh, one thing I saw, one Trey Young. I know we always him and Luke are gonna be linked, pretty much for the rest of the career. That I think here on the Hero Ball Pod, we're pretty much pro Luca. But Trey Young is not a bum. He's definitely not. Anyone who thinks so is definitely wrong. And we saw, I think, second half of last season, he kind of came on. But this season, I've been enjoying just watching him because when you when you watch Trey Young, one of the things I like about him is, yeah, he's going to pull up from deep. He has his logo, three-pointer. Everyone's like, oh, that's great. But I like how good he still looks to set up his teammates. And I think he's one of those guys where it's fun to play with. When you're watching the Hawks, you're like, it's fun to watch him play with those other guys. I know our concern with the Hawks is you have just a lot of young players there with Herter, with Collins, with Hunter, and of course Reddish and Trey Young. You have so much young player, but I think, Ethan, they're making some smart decisions in the draft. Like you saw them get Collins and then get Trey Young. They're slowly building up this roster, get some veteran sprinkled in there. This could be a team that could surprise us and make a – make a make its way to the playoffs. Or it could be a team where you're just like, all right, they're about one piece away from making a playoff run next year. But their games have been fun. That's one thing I've noticed. Both of their games have just been fun to watch.
0: Yeah, dude, the Hawks are... They're definitely going to be a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't enjoy about watching the Hawks is seeing that dirty lollipop just running around, which is what <laughs> I call... Is what I call Trey Young. Um, affectionately. Like, he is a very good player. I don't dislike the way he plays. Like, I, I do... It's so hard to critique a guy when he is still being effective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, I don't know. I feel like his shot selection is not as on point as, let's say, Stephen Curry, and he's not as good of a shooter as Stephen Curry, which is a, is an – I mean, that shows you how much respect I have for Trey Young's game is that I'm comparing him to Stephen Curry even though mm-hmm. they're he's, – he's more of like a, a hyper-shooting hyper Steve Nash. Like, he wants to shoot, but, like, he's definitely way more of a – like, a really good facilitator more so than a really good um, shooter. Yeah. And that might surprise people to hear. Um, but you're right. They, they I think they built this team out really well. Right now, in terms of the young players, the guys who I think will be on this team for a long time, we're looking at John Collins, who's a power forward center. He needs to get better at defense, but he can score the ball in a lot of ways. And he's best, like, as a roller to the rim where he can jump over almost everyone in the league. Mm -hmm. And then Trey Young and Herter, two guys who can really splash it. Herter, um, pretty solid defender, like, moves his feet well. And then you got Hunter and Reddish who are going to be playing your wings. Like, that is two guys who could both develop into really solid defenders. And I think Cam Reddish has a little little bit of superstar potential in the way – the, the the kind of craft that he has with the ball in his hands when there is proper spacing. Again, the Duke, the Duke, uh, little basketball center was not very good last year for anyone not named Zion Williams and who was just the, a man among boys in college basketball. But yeah, I like what this team's doing in a lot of ways. They obviously will have to work on their free agent signing, probably have to mm-hmm. stop doing the take on bad contracts for assets thing. But you know, at some point those assets are gonna are gonna turn into something and we're gonna I'm hoping that this this Hawks team really can run and gun. They they however, they do not have the center of the future, Ethan Huffman, like they do on two K twenty, at
1: least on my console. <laughs> uh, by the way, in mind they also have the power forward center of the future, Oak and Beltry, as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Great minds think alike. No, but this has been a, a uh, fun team and I enjoy playing, I enjoy watching them on TV and I enjoy playing with them in 2K. Yeah,
0: they're definitely like the like if you remember, like the Nick Young Clippers, yep, like that was like the team that like was perfect for two K. This had up like it was if I can't remember Quentin Rich, Quentin Richardson was probably gone by then. Cause he was. I know he took a couple laps with the Clippers, but he was gone by then. But yeah, that, that I can't remember all the players that was on that Nick Young Clippers team. But Nick Young on the Clippers was one of the most fun players to play with in two K because <laughs> he was really good at shooting threes and yeah, he could he could get it open pretty good. <laughs> All right. Next, next observation, Kobe White. Now, this is this is yours, Elkin, but I agree, um, and yep. I have been very impressed with Kobe White as well. This guy right now is averaging 21 points per game, on 55% field goal, 42 from three. And I think the most impressive thing, Elkin, is this guy is just looking to bomb. Mm-hmm. Like if he gets open, he's like, no, nah, this is a fair shot. I am part of this offense. I am here to stay. I am, you know. For what it's worth, as long as I'm coming off the bench, I'm six-man-of-the-year guy, and he is he's crushing it. Now, his stats did take a dip from what I'm looking at right now. Is After the, last night's game, he's down to 16 points per game, but that's how things are going to happen. Yeah. And his percentages have fallen a little bit, too. But mm-hmm. I don't think we need to overreact to one game skewing our happy t- thoughts. So, I agree. Kobe White looks good. He looks like an NBA player. And you know what? The thing I was worried about him is he was going to be super turnover prone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Has not been a problem just yet, but he also is not as much of a facilitator, so that could also yeah, change. Yeah,
1: and because I'm thinking what's going to happen is that the future keeps coming along as I see him because I see him, obviously six-man right now, <coughs> but he's a guy I'd rather have on the floor than a Chris Dunn, than a Sadoransky. Like, he's a guy, but how are the Bulls going to view him? And they're like, is he just our taller Ben Gordon? Just have a guy there that comes off the bench just does all this stuff or are we trying to just make him into one of our starters but the problem is you already have a starting two guard in Zach Levine that you're paying a bunch of money that you want there and you mentioned Kobe White's distributes the way he distributes and if both of them are playing who's going to pass the ball if they both want to shoot all the time so that's going to be interesting to see what they do with that position of how they're going to bring Kobe White for the rest of the season yeah I'm. I'm still not
0: positive how that fit is going to work long term. I do think, you know, Zach Levine, when he came out of UCLA and was trying to find minutes in Minnesota, um, different guys, I know it was Sam Mitchell at one point, Flip Saunders uh, before he passed, both those guys looked at Zach Levine as potentially a a point guard, you know, a, a big point guard uh, prospect. While I thought that was a little far-fetched, I did did like the idea of him having the ball in his hands a lot. And so maybe between the two of them, they still can assemble a point guard. Kind of like what I think that he will end up doing as a starting crew with Winslow and eventually Jimmy Butler when he's back. Mm -hmm. Because those guys are both not perfect Facilitators, but they're both very, they're above average. And I think you could find that here with Cody White and Lee, which is why I felt really good about this team's over, and I still do, because I think this team's offense is going to continue to be good. I think it's going to get even better as you get, you know, Laurie Marketing to actually start making some three-pointers. This team... Sneaky deep in terms of just competent players. It's kind of like the old Orlando Magic. Yep. And for what the over was, I believe thirty-two and a half, or maybe even thirty-three and a half. It just it didn't seem like a number that I could I could pass on, especially when it was available at thirty-two and a half on the uh, the old Oregon uh, site. There.
1: <laughs> no, I get you. I get you. All right, Ethan, anyway. bring us on to our our next team after they went ahead and decided to. And the Clippers undefeated streak to start the season. One Phoenix right. Suns.
0: Yeah, so this is another one of my um that I I feel like I caught some flack for and I didn't have the opportunity to defend myself um in in, in the um in the moment was I really feel good about the Phoenix Suns being able to win thirty games or more. And I, I understand like that, you know, it's kinda of weird to say when this team, especially now that DeAndre Ayton is gonna be missing games, but of course, where DeAndre Ayton is probably like a good floor raiser at this moment in his career, he's not much of a ceiling guy, and so for individual games, he keeps you in the games. I don't know how many he helps you win because he is a bit of a slob on defense still. But here's the point: the Phoenix Suns adding Ricky Rubio, while wow, Ricky Rubio is a actively bad scorer of the basketball, the man gets to where he needs to get to mm-hmm. and he helps other team ba- teammates get better. He helps people finish, he gets people open looks because regardless, you can't let a guy just dribble down the lane and give him open layups, so you have to crash, you have to adjust, you have to rotate and he will find the open man. I think him playing alongside Booker is also helping Booker like as a facilitating guard. I like, I think he's his decision making's look good. I was really upset. I was in Bend, Oregon was the night that the, the Suns uh, beat up the Kings so badly. And I was mad because for some reason that game was blacked out on my league pass. And I was like, how is in Bend, Oregon are the Sacramento Kings and the Suns blacked out? It didn't make any sense. Nevertheless, there it was. But I, I really do think that Ricky Rubio's had a positive impact on this team and how they want to play and how they will play. Just solely based on like Devin Booker right now is at 8.3 assists. I know that's, you know, early season, small sample size. But like that, him him, him scoring 23 points per game and eight assists, taking a little bit of a dip in scoring, a, a little bit of a rise in um, his assists, I think his scoring is going to come back up. But I think those assists could stick around because I think passing is contagious. And Ricky Rubio is the mm-hmm. guy who makes, helps that, helps that go. Think about Ke- the Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio Minnesota teams. Think mm-hmm. about Minnesota, um, ricky rubio in utah i mean granted like you could you can look at the systems there and say well it was going to happen anyway but i don't know i'm gonna say take the positive look and say ricky rubio is a
1: franchise um adjuster and that he makes teams play better yeah and that's one thing you can kind of see that all those teams kind of fit his style and like you said you can't just let a guy walk into the lane you got to do something about it and that's what he's doing and even last night without him point book is one person that we often, one thing we often kind of just say we would love to see more of, but the Suns team, they have guys who can play. And, of course, they have former Heat player, Tyler Johnson, the Tyler Johnson, taking on that contract. But I'm interested to see how some of these young guys like A Bridges and Cam Johnson, how they come along with this team. But if this team can kind of, I know they're not going to be world beaters and, and stay perhaps above 500, but... I think, did you pick, you picked the over on them, right? Yeah, that was the, yeah. that
0: was the one, like, you, neither of you agreed with me, mm-hmm. and I was, that was, I feel like I got trashed when I was listening <laughs> to it later.
1: No, no, we didn't mean to trash I felt attacked. We didn't mean to attack you. But at the same time, though, seeing how they play, I'm just like, all right, I can see a team definitely getting. This over. I mean, we didn't mean to trash you. It's just very hard for you to defend yourself. But I mean, it's twenty nine and a half is over under for them. Yeah, I can see them winning like a solid thirty three games. I can see that. I I
0: I think my biggest flaw in the over unders and where like I still feel confident on a, a couple of them that I like was feeling bad about as of opening night with like the Clippers especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this we might be surprised to see that no like I originally like I always think, okay, there's gonna be a sixty win team. I'm not sure that's gonna happen in the West this year mm. now granted I'll, like there's no one that, that that has to win sixty games to hit their over, but, like a team like the Nuggets who I think will be the one seed by the end of the season,
1: yeah,
0: their over under was fifty three and a half, and I'm like, well, I think they'll hit that, but what if they only hit it by one just because the West is so strong, and a lot of other teams miss their over unders and stuff like that because like, there's no easy outs right now. The Phoenix Suns have shot – they beat the, the Kings, who most people would have thought the Kings are going to, you know, plateau and, like, be at least as good as they were last year. I personally thought they'd be as good as last year, so they'd stay under. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, there's like, there's good teams out here right now. And the East, while, like, I, there's obviously a big gap between the top and the middle, like, that, like the, basically three through eight are, like, the same type of team. Um the, the top teams are still good. Like, there's not always easy outs. Like, I mean, for example, the Miami Heat who shouldn't shouldn't be able to beat the Bucks on a regular basis. Yeah. Beat the Bucks l- last night without Jimmy Butler. Like, that's okay. That's that's something to be said for one game sample sizes. But also something to be said for like they, that. There's it's every game's a one game sample size True. when you're playing a team you're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that how that tracks and how the East does against the West this year, uh, compared to some of the. Uh, Years past.
1: Yeah, but we can't say though. Even though it could have been just one game, your man Bam, I've been enjoying mm. it both. I that was a game that uh I had Whitney sit down. We were just chilling out in the living room and had nothing to watch. Turn on NBA TV, and Whitney enjoyed that game, and she was cheering on. She was enjoying what was going on. She was like the Heat just wanted more. I got some color commentary from her as well. She was nice. like she's like great hustle. She's like great passing. He's like, ah, he beat him to the spot. Maybe he should have tried. I was like, man, this is commentary. But, bam, I enjoy watching him so much. And I'm happy that you guys are just, let's give him the minutes. Because he's a guy that you want for the future. A guy who can play. I think his defense is getting better. He can rebound. He has a touch. At the same time, he literally looks like he does not get tired. That's what I see like every game now I watched him. Yeah. You just take a look at that block in overtime, mm-hmm. where he chases he
0: chases Eric Bledsoe, who is a you know pretty athletic point guard, chases that man down the f- uh, court and blocks him. Now, granted, that he could have helped him; the other hate players could have helped him out and actually stopped the ball. <laughs> but you know, uh, for the highlight, I get it. They had to, they had to let the highlight happen. So his his line for that game was 19, 13, and eight, which is points, rebounds, and assists. A little inflated because they did play five minutes of overtime. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Bam is like I've never like. I've never seen a guy who's actually smaller than Giannis, like be able to body him like he was. It's like Giannis, you know, bullies through anyone who's like a remotely smaller than he is. Yeah. But I feel like Bam did a really good job of getting in his way consistently and really like stopping him at the point where he wanted to take his, you know, step here, step there. And just, you know, just kind of stonewalled him a little bit. And then also Bam, one of the only guys making free throws down the stretch, although he did miss enough to still frustrate me. Yeah. Um, is just one of those things, man. Like this, t- this Heat team is gonna be gritty. They're gonna be uh, spunky. Like they're just gonna make you annoyed, and um, I like that about the Heat. Like I, I appreciate when the culture is actually out on the court. And speaking of culture, like let's let's briefly digress and go Kendrick Nunn, my man. Like how about that? Kendrick Nun, another, Nunn. another dude <laughs> just pulled out of the scrap heap of the Warriors uh, G League. So t- for twenty four and eighteen, um twenty four points the first game, eighteen the second yeah. game. I know it's against the, the Grizzlies, but the one of them was against the Bucks, who have a guy named Eric Bledsoe, a guy named Chris Milton, like good defensive wings. I'm sure he didn't get all the points against Pat Conton But maybe he did. I don't know. No, but, but I, really, I like I,
1: I, I like this team. I like and I like Kendrick Nunn. And the way they're playing, kinda of like you say, like grid team, is literally the way that I expected the Pacers to play, but it's the opposite. That I'm seeing, like I expected, the Pacers, like, oh, we have a good culture. We're gonna play gritty. Gonna play hard. We can expect that. But next thing you know, it first two games in. I think both you and I saw that from two teams, Pacers and the Kings. We saw that these two teams kind of started just really flat. Like the Pacers, their first game, like the the Pistons came out and were just like, all right, we don't have Blake Griffin. We're ready to play. We're ready to do this thing. And then next thing you know, it. They go out, the Pacers and go to Cavaliers. I'm like, all right, this could possibly be a win, you know. Cleveland, they're not expected to do much this season. Nope. After that first quarter, it was just downhill from there. And then the Kings, that first game for the Kings, it's like, can we rewind? Can we go back and redo that first game, please? Because they just – I don't even know. Did you watch any clips from that first game of the Kings? Because I didn't watch any clips from that. I
0: I, I didn't get around to it because, mm-hmm. like I said, they were blocked out in my area um, for whatever reason when I was in Bend, Oregon, and – I have it. I didn't I didn't feel like a thirty point blowout for as much as I do watch bad games, um, even after they've happened, I know what happens. I I couldn't bring myself when there was live basketball to to pull that one up. But like I, I, did, I did watch a couple of highlights from this jazz game they played the other night and it was another big loss. And mm. with that in mind, Elgin, like um you mentioned it briefly that these are the Pacers and Kings were two teams that went over to India. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before the season started, to you know, do their preseason over there, and you know, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I don't understand, like, what would cause this team to be so bad. I'm guessing De'Aaron Fox didn't play much. I mean, he didn't play much, obviously. He only played twenty minutes in uh, this game against the Jazz. But, you know, that's what that's what Corey Joseph's there for. That's what Yogi Ferrell is there yeah. for. Like, that's they're supposed to be there to give you a level of competence. And losing by thirty is not competence. Mm-mm. So, like, these are two teams that both performed really well last year despite expectations. Victor Oladipo went out. Pacers were like, okay, let's see if they can hold on. And they did. They played really well. Boyan Bogdanovich carried the day. Um, They're missing him now. They have TJ Warren in his place. Jeremy Lamb is not playing. Like, some of the guys who are supposed to replace him are not around, and it hasn't went so well with Oladipo still missing games. And the Kings last year won a lot of games um, c- compared to what their projections were, and man, just basically if Buddy Heald does not play incredibly well, this team is not scoring and at all. And he played pretty; he didn't play very well in this last game, and they lost it by thirty again. Phoenix and the Jazz have both beat the Kings by
1: third. Yeah, and then. Just looking at the Pacers, that second quarter, they got outscored 20-39. to 39. And this is a team where maybe I'm overreacting with them because I see the Pacers as a very competent team. Like, the guys that – Jeremy Lamb signing, I'm a little bit – eh. Most people here in Indiana, a lot of the media calls them the second coming of Gerald Green when Gerald Green came to the Pacers. Just They call them chuckums, just loves to shoot them up. But I think they are going to miss – Bagnanovich, they are going to miss a Young kind of because I know Young with defense – You can't put in a T.J. Warren guy in there and kind of emulate things. And then, of course, you have Sabonis taking that four spot. Like the first game against the Pistons, Turner and Sabonis combined. I forgot how many points, but they both had solid games. But this game against against the Cavaliers only combined for 25 points. Those two guys, and you can't expect that. But on another note, though, because of the Lamb injury, we got to see some Sumner in the starting lineup. And every time Sumner come in, I just know – that Ethan has a smile somewhere whenever Sumner gets that start. And that, that has been a highlight for them, having Sumner, because he's a very solid player. And I see them using him. But then you have guys like Aaron Holiday, their first round draft pick, didn't play. No one knows why. Just he never came off the bench. TJ Leaf is the first guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. I can't even I can't even explain it, but I will say this. Probably um Jaeger McMillan. If this continues, there'll probably be two guys that are going to be on the hot seat really quick. That's one thing I'm seeing right now. Yeah, and Mick, uh, Jaeger doesn't coach the Kings anymore, wow. so probably not. Why did I say Jaeger? But, Luke Walton. Literally, I know it was Luke Walton. Like, I have it in my head. I was like, all right, Luke Walton. <laughs> uh, That's fair. This happened. But, yeah,
0: no, Jaeger definitely was on the uh, the hot seat. That's why he's uh, yeah. not on the team anymore. But, like, anymore. Luke
1: Walton... For me, I kind of see it as all right, Luke. What are you gonna do coming in from the Lakers fiasco that he had after LeBron kind of pushed him out? I don't say LeBron pushed him out, but he got pushed out of town. And now you have yeah. But also, too, with the Kings, I'm thinking of it. It's a it's a new system. I don't know what system Luke is running, but imagine new system. Guys are getting used to it with the Pacers right now. I bet you the front office is still scratching their heads though, like what is going on with this, and they got the Pistons tomorrow night so that's gonna be interesting for the pacers
0: yeah i i want to talk about edmund sumner really quick before we move on but like as much as i love him um the thing he does not do well is play defense he's not a good defender he does the crazy hands thing he gets in your face he he'll he'll jump into a passing lane two seconds late um, but he, he's fun to watch. though. he's, he's lanky and he gets to the rim. He's got some touch. Once he gets airborne, like he, he's definitely fun to watch. So, like, I, I am glad that he's, he's on your team and uh, you guys get a, you guys get to watch him a little bit, but yeah, he's bad at defense oh, no. and I yeah. forgot how bad he was at defense because <laughs> he used to play against college players who, uh, it didn't matter if he was bad, he was still going to be able to overwhelm them because he was, you know, six, five as a
1: point guard in college. Yeah. But he, for me, he has the body to be a good defender. Like he's quick. He's agile, long arms. It's just he looks lost on defense sometimes when I watch yeah. his games.
0: And, you know, he's he played one year, he played two years in college. One of them, he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he didn't play, he didn't have much progression time. And then, like, I, th- I feel like last year, he spent most of his time, like, on the bench for the Pacers. He was like, I'd be wrong about that. Yeah. But he, he, spent, he didn't, he could, if he spent that in the G League, maybe he got, he would have got a little bit better.
1: He got sent down. A little I don't bit. know. He was back and forth. Um, yeah, from the G lead to the Pacers towards the end of the season, the Pacers just kept him on the on the bench.
0: I got one more thing for you, Elkin, that I want to I want to speak towards. And I did I have watched bo- a, a good percentage of both these games, mm-hmm. the Rockets, both the Rockets games, the one where they f- coughed up the lead to yeah, the Bucks, I that one. And I watched the first half, at least of the New Orleans game last night. So here's my observation. James Harden is not playing as much like James Harden as he is last year, and I don't. I, I'm I'm struggling to understand why. Like his, I feel like his assist numbers, his assist numbers are down in this in this uh, Pelicans game. And I I didn't watch closely enough to see if it was just missed shots happening, but I think he's settling mm-hmm. for stepbacks even more, which is fine theoretically, but he's shooting horribly, mm-hmm. and. Especially in an individual game, like something you gotta be self-aware enough about is if if you are struggling from three, get to the rim a little bit, and that way, like they're hugging you that much closer, so you have more room on your step back on your three-point attempts. And normally he does. Not that. to mention, he that. yeah, he usually he finds what he's doing well that game or mm-hmm. what the defense is giving him, and he exploits it. But like I feel like so far this year, he's been so keen in on hitting these threes, and it's it's not working for him. As of yet. I'm sure it's going to turn around. It's a small sample. But, you know, given the big changes that happening happened on this team, it's something that needs to be brought up and monitored as they get Russell Westbrook and James Harden uh, play together. Because if if this continues, like, for a month, for, you know, 20 games, that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to work if James Harden cannot shoot – 36%, 35% from three, because, mm-hmm. like, his volume saves him. But, like, he's got to shoot at a good percentage. Two of 18, and whatever he went in the first game is not going to cut it.
1: Yeah, and I think he brought it up. we got to wait 20 games in Is it still happening because you got to get used to playing with a guy like Westbrook. I know that's something that's really big, but even then, the shooting, I get. But last night he had – I don't know how many turnovers he had in the first game, but last night he had eight turnovers. And I'm looking at that, I'm like – you may shoot bad, James, like may go two of 18, but you have to at least take care of the ball because you and I both think James Harden, real gifted passer, real solid passer. But if he's turning the ball over, that makes things a lot difficult. And we know it's – I'm interested to see if part of it is getting used to Russell Westbrook. I was going to say deferring to Russell Westbrook, but then that doesn't excuse going two for 18 because you have plenty of times to shoot threes. But –
0: Yeah. Go ahead. No, so he, he – he had seven turnovers in the first game – had more assists that game, so like that—that that was a bit of a straw man from me, and the uh, based on the first game I watched, but went one for three in that game. So like he's he's just shooting poorly right now, and that's that's a shocker for a guy who has probably more more things in his bag to get to the rim and to get open shots and yep. about any player in the league. And it's just not—it hasn't been a good stack for him so far, and it just makes me nervous as if if he's if he struggles to play, this team is not going to be good. Because as much as I like a lot of their fringe um, players, like I like the top of Sifloches on this team. Yeah. I think that I think that's a good good gamble. Ben MacLabor, I think that's another good gamble. Like it, he's not been a good NBA player so far, but like if you're gonna give a guy a minimum, give a guy who can go up and get some like finish some dunks, get a guy who, you know, has historically been able to shoot the three. Like I like I like that kind of risk. Anyway. Not 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 that it's all that important like I like what this team did around James Harden this year. And I actually believe the Russell Westbrook thing can work very effectively if they find the right, like the the mesh point. Yeah. And it's gotta be Russell West. Like when they're out there together, Russell Westbrook's gotta have the ball, I think a little bit more and let him set up James a little bit, like make the job. James is one of the most efficient players in basketball history. Like in a couple of these, couple of these seasons he's put together, Mm -hmm. go ahead and, and set him up a little bit. Like, like give him a break but like i'll still allow him to be used but i don't know like maybe i'm just being an old head saying that a, a, a point guard should set a guy up i don't know but like, i know what you're saying though. i'm just i'm trying to find J- J- I want james harden to find a rhythm so he can go off like, a, like the crazy person he is and until he finds that rhythm like this rockets team is is going to be li- in the suspect um page because I and I if you, I think if I remember correctly I put them as like yeah they were one of my locks for hitting their over because I thought their regular season success was going to be great still believe in them but I got to see some
1: improvement here yeah one one quick thing before we move on um talking about the Rockets game play the Pelicans I've enjoyed seeing Brandon Ingram in the Pelican just kind of seeing him flourish yeah, that's a good point I've seen him just starting off in that first game watch I watched that Raptors game I was like okay like there's still sometimes he takes those content like those long twos where he's like right at the three pull out and I'm like Brandon take a little step back but I don't know if you know the same thing I kind of notice he's been more aggressive he's going for his shot he's been solid on the re- like rebounding overall I feel like he's mm-hmm. just been having just solid games he hasn't even committed that many turnovers I mean he has two three and three but still in his shooting solid as well from two point and three pointer so I'm just like Brandon Ingram this could have been something that trade that saves I won't say saves his career but kind of propels him to fulfill his potential yeah Brandon Ingram
0: has not been the NBA player that he was thought to be Mm -hmm. when he got drafted and I was not that high on him because I thought he looked too skinny and I I thought even if he puts on the muscle like he's always going to be a little robotic in his movements which I think are not the best thing for a wing scorer you got to have a little bit of a little bit of sneak in your game if you're going to be an elite wing scorer. I think LeBron is one of the few guys who's pretty robotic about how he plays, mm-hmm. and he happens to be one of the greatest athletes of any sport of all time. <laughs> so, like, it's kind of tough. Like I'm saying, it's kind of tough. Mm-hmm. And with, so with Brandon Ingram, I've always been a little skeptical. But I think the biggest thing, and, like, I hope Cam, um, one of my new roommates uh, – listens to this podcast because the Lakers have been a dysfunctional franchise for a long time. And I personally think that Brandon Ingram's career was derailed because they jerked him around in rolls. They said, you're going to be a point forward. Okay, cool. He tries that out. He's okay. at it Cause he still can't shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we need you to be a scorer alongside LeBron. Um, okay. Well, I, he, he has the ball all the time and I don't shoot threes very well. Now this is the first time he shot threes. Well, you know, he's done it well for three games so far. We'll see if it continues. But Brandon Ingram, you know he he hasn't had a consistent diet like or hasn't had a consistent meal plan put on his plate like the lakers have asked him to do so many different things i feel like alvin gentry for all of his flaws as a coach um because he, he really did not maximize anthony davis in terms of like i think you could get him with like moving towards the rim with the ball in his hands like a lot of things he could have done better um brandon ingram seems to have a purpose on this team mm-hmm. And I'm guessing it's it's coach appointed, and so I I, I credit I credit uh, Alvin Gentry for giving him some some purpose, um, and yeah, it, it's he's been a joy to watch, which is something I didn't think I'd ever say about Brandon Ingram. Yeah,
1: Neibar. and like for me, I, I just want to see him to flur- I want to see him flourish, especially I want to see him and Lonzo Ball those two guys flourish. Cause I like I like watching Lonzo Ball, and it kind of says something with the Lakers. Pretty much, their last three second overall picks are all gone. And most likely, perf- we already know D'Angelo Russell performed better after he left the Lakers. And now we're probably going to see Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball perform better. And it kind of makes you think, what are the Lakers doing to- and how they develop players? And it's almost like we're the Lakers. We stumble onto these players, once-in-a-generation players, and that's what happens. I mean, if you look back, even when they got Magic and all those guys. But that's another topic for another day.
0: Well, and I will shout out my buddy Cam here because he was mentioning to me that all the draft picks that the Lakers have made since 2014, granted, it is supplemented by some top-round picks, but all those picks, except for one guy named Anthony Brown, are still in the NBA today, so I don't think it's that the Lakers don't scout well. I mean... And I think the Lakers may have made the right picks in their selections in the draft. Like, I think Lonzo Ball was the right pick. You could argue De'Aaron Fox, but I think most people weren't on that bandwagon. Like, De'Aaron yeah. Fox had one game against mm-hmm. Lonzo in college. But Lonzo Ball, I think, was pretty much a consensus number two pick. Like, yeah. it was it was him. He was the guy. If you wanted mm-hmm. a, a point guard, he was the guy. Yeah. Brandon Ingram, was he was by far the best next best prospect yeah. after Ben Simmons. Like, they, they made the right They're pick. And then you pick. look at the fringe guys. Like, a top... Like a Thomas Bryant, he's still in the league. He's playing really well for the the, the Wizards. We take a look at Josh Hart. Like they've been picked well, but I'm like developing for me. I don't know if it's the, the issue. I don't know if it's the yeah. I don't know if it's the lights of of Hollywood or if it's just the um you know development in in the, within the system. But it, it hasn't worked particularly great since then. It's yeah. just that's the observation. Like,
1: even even you look at D'Angelo Russell's rookie year. What was that? It was Kobe's last year. So Kobe's last year, yeah. what did they do? Kobe, shoot as much as you want to. We don't care how the team does. We want Pretty much, we want another good pick, if we're being honest. And that's what happened, which kind of sucked, because you saw D'Angelo Russell, what he's capable of then after Kobe left. But then they're like, all right, that's it. We're trading him. They only had for two years. But I'm happy for these guys, though, like a Josh Hart, Ingram, Russell, Ball. But Ingram, if he continues this, which I don't know how sustainable it is for him, once Zion comes back, I think it's going to be we're going to keep seeing that that steady flow. I could see him being like a like a solid like 18 point per game score, just 18 to 20, like never really high 20, just 18 to 20. And just he's going to get you that no matter what. I could see him fitting into that role.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what we got to hope for. And uh, I think there's a chance that Brandon Ingram is not part of this uh, Pelicans future just based on. You know, they don't they, they don't appear to value Wings all that much mm-hmm. because they've never had him in the past. So we'll see if Brandon Ingram sticks around. But, like, there's a chance that he plays his way into a contract too big for the Pelicans to feel comfortable matching. Because if if he's not a perfect fitness of Zion, do you pay a guy like that when Zion's not ready to really carry a team yet? Like, I mean, and maybe Brandon Ingram is the guy who carries Zion, like, and Zion's a sidekick, actually. Like It's impossible to know right now because Zion hasn't played a minute of real NBA basketball. Yeah. But... Like, that's something to keep an eye on, is if, depending on how good Brandon Ingram looks, is he the guy that you say, you know, he could be a number one, can he, or is he, does he have to be a sidekick? And they're like, well, it's not, he's not going to be the sidekick. Zion's not going to be ready to be the one but while he's ready to be the sidekick. So, you might have to find an angle of finesse there. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. I am excited to watch this team. But last thing, this is the last thing we're gonna talk about, and then we're gonna go because it's it's time for me to to get going be hang out with the family, because you know, they came all the way from Indiana to visit me in Oregon. <laughs> I I probably should spend time with them. Oh my goodness. But here's the thing. Elkin, I want to know if you noticed this. Did you watch the first game of the season? The Pelicans, um Rap whatever, who the Raptors. Wait, the Raptors. Yes, did you watch that game? I did. Did you get the feeling that they were like light tanking? where they had Frank Jackson and Joel Okafor out there for like eight consecutive minutes in the fourth quarter.
1: <laughs> I mean, You kind of get a small feeling where, it, I mean, you kind of see the Pelicans kind of feel that maybe this year, Zion's out 68 weeks already. You already see Drew Holiday being injured. That was before, I mean, he played the first game, but they kind of looked up and down the roster where like we probably are one year away before really making a run at this and if we see that light tanking i wouldn't be surprised and at the same time they thought to themselves hey you know what we didn't completely tank last year and look what got look where we got we got that number 1 pick so maybe we'll have the same luck again and get a top pick i don't know but i, I you might be honest something Ethan you might be honest something
0: jj redick played 22 minutes against the mavericks and i just want to know what like elite i mean maybe he's hurt maybe he's old doing things again i i didn't watch all these games perfectly closely but what elite wing score other than Luca, which was probably not getting matched up with JJ Reddick is just terrifying you as as a map maver- like that's on the Mavericks so JJ Reddick should be out there spreading the floor if nothing else like this is just my point like I, I don't think I think they're saying they kind of this the, not the really, they're throwing caution to the wind but mm-hmm. they're
1: they're very happy when the boy the wind uh blows them down <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Who knows? They, could, they already got a bunch of assets that could just be stockpiling even more and just saying, David Griffin's going to be like, all right, who can I get? Let me bring in someone else. Yep. And so you
0: keep, keep them for the tra- – like, if you can trade for a superstar once Zion's ready, that's great too. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to develop them then. You can play be like the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Ha. Huh. All right, oh, and with wow. that, I think it's time to step <laughs> out, Elkin. We don't uh, we don't want to anger the the masses. The Lakers fans love NBA content. We got to be able to su- supply them with it. I get I
1: get you. I get you. The Lakers are great, guys. They're awesome. World beaters. All right, on that note, it's been nice. It has been nice.
0: We'll see, you, Elkin. All right.